0: this place is special get asked all the time where's your favorite place to take college game day and i say every time eugene oregon this is the best crowd honestly it's six in the morning here yeah it's dark it's raining
1: they don't care these fans right here pound for
0: pound are as good as any college football fans in the country this program is staged to compete and to win championships
1: oregon is going to When this has become...
0: When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns it! Touchdown, Oregon! Been making deposits. Time to cash a check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an- Man, it
1: feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 show, presented by Scoop Duck with Doug, Andrew, and J Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Boom. Welcome back to the QB11 show, presented by Scoop Duck. Another huge signing day for Dan Lanning and crew, putting their mark on today, just much like they did last year on signing day as well. Uh, I'm joined, of course, by QB11 and Justin Hopkins from ScoopDuck.com. QB, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Doug? I am doing great. It's this. This is uh, obviously a couple flips today. We're going to get into all the news and excitement, but also want to welcome in uh, Justin, of course. Justin, been a busy day for you, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been a busy day, but a good day. I mean, for the most part, pretty well prepared. But um, like I said, I know on the threads earlier, um, it's, it was a whole lot more fun than being a, a Florida. Moderator or writer or or guy that covers Florida recruiting.
1: <laughs> oh, oof! I mean, and obviously the Florida like class falling apart has been happening for a couple of weeks now, but certainly some more some more uh, dominoes on that stack today. They yeah, better... a lot of,
2: a lot ahead, of drama. There. Oh, I just say a lot of drama down
1: there for sure.
0: Yeah, they managed to stem the bleeding a little bit today. I mean, well, actually, I don't know if I would say stem the bleeding. They, they held on to their quarterback and L.J. McCray, the top defensive tackle, which, I mean, if, if you're going to hold on to two guys, those would be the two you'd pick, right? So, um, For Sure. It, it's a decent, decent uh, rally from, from Florida despite all the decommitments, but it is pretty crazy when you pull up their list of decommitments because it's probably better than their actual class uh <laughs> all in all which is never something you want to be saying on signing day but yeah
1: our decommitment class is better than our than our signed class that's not a good thing yeah i want to apologize too
0: i sound like absolute garbage i didn't sound great right in the last podcast either so uh still dealing with the sickness
1: we- here but we appreciate you uh toughen one out we know you're under the weather and i know all of the listeners appreciate you showing up today we got a lot to talk about obviously we talked a little bit about florida's class uh, on the plus side of things miami's uh, and mario not surprisingly making some moves here late in the cycle got a couple of flips themselves today uh you know george is doing work Uh, but let's talk about oregon um Oregon also landed a couple of flips today for themselves. They're up to 25 commits now in this class with at least one uh, likely commit outstanding in Jericho Johnson tomorrow. They're, they're looking for him. But, you know, the 25 they got uh, puts them at, depending on which, uh, which one you want to use, I think they're fifth in the on three composite. They're fourth in the two, four, seven composite. Uh, 80% blue chips in this class, which is huge. It's not just a top heavy class. It's deep. Um, you know, they're number two in the Big Ten with a shot still at surpassing Ohio State, uh, depending on what happens with their top receiver commit who hasn't signed yet, Jeremiah Smith, as well as what happens with Oregon and some other commits that are still on on the table for them. So Oregon could could potentially pass Ohio State still, but right now they're slotted in at number two in the Big Ten. Seven top 100 commits, so number two Juco, nine top 150, 14, 15 top 250 commits. So a great class top to bottom and uh, obviously a, a really big day for Oregon. Let's talk first about Jeremiah McClellan. So maybe Hop, set up a little bit about what you knew going on there and then QB, you can jump in after that.
2: Yeah, I think just to set up the recruitment, I mean, you know, that was a guy that, um, you know, I, I think it was it's pretty clear early on that that was a guy Oregon really wanted. And you know, they, they got him on campus early uh, in this 2023 calendar year had him on campus several times, you know, it really came down to Oregon and Ohio State there when he made his decision uh, in April, or excuse me, August is what I meant to say. And, you know, I think, you know, Oregon felt like at the time, hey, you know, we're not gonna back down here. It's, it's August, we got a few months to go. And, and I think the relationships played a big part, but I think what Oregon did offensively certainly didn't hurt because here down the stretch, you look at Oregon bringing in Dylan Gabriel, obviously getting Dante Moore. You know, you start presenting those things to a wide receiver. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty strong draw. And, I, you know, Ohio State's in a little bit of a – I don't want to call it a murky situation, but it's not quite as clear for them at quarterback. So between relationships and, and those things – I, I think Oregon was able to pounce there and get a guy that they, they truly wanted all along.
0: I, I, all I can add to that is I know this is a player that Oregon's been prioritizing since the very beginning of the cycle and it's funny because Doug um, you and I made a, like a list of recruits back in July that hey if Oregon if Oregon got like a good chunk of these guys, this class would be a success and like over the course of July, like Pelham committed to uh, USC, mcclellan committed to ohio state dakota fields committed to usc elijah rushing committed to arizona like aiden breeland was like visiting georgia and it was looking really really bad for that list of commitments and then here we are on signing day adding jeremiah mcclellan ryan pelham dakota field signed today and then both elijah rushing and aiden breeland are in the class so um oregon did a very very good job with the guys that they highly prioritized in this class jeremiah mcclellan being no different than the others but uh do you want to? Are we? I'm assuming we're going to go through every player one by one. Should we talk skill set with McClellan while we're on him? Sure. While we're talking about him, yeah. Okay. So uh, McClellan's like unbelievably dynamic. He's he's been a riser throughout uh, in the rankings throughout the year. Uh, currently ranked the top 50 player in the country. Six foot 190 pounds. Super twitchy and athletic. Has he's one of those guys with like the balance, body control, and lateral agility of a running back, despite the fact that he has a receiver skill set. So get him the ball in space, post catch, get him on the move. And he's super, super dangerous. So, uh, another player, um, there's no one that's really played at Oregon that he reminds me of all that much. Um, but there's been lots of guys like him at, at, at other programs. Uh, I, I think immediately of a guy, uh, I don't, I don't like to compare guys to, to NFL or top end NFL prospects, but, um, I think of a guy like Luther Burden at, at uh, Missouri from the same state, but similar frame and skill set, a uh, guy that's just super dangerous post-catch and, and has speed to go vertical, uh, but is also a dynamic, you know, a, a dynamic enough athlete to make guys miss in in, uh, in space and create separation in the intermediate route running.
1: Yeah, you mentioned QB, the other flip that Oregon got today, also at the wide receiver position. You know, it's, it's interesting because it was a position that early in the cycle looked like Oregon – was going to have their pick of a bunch of top wide receivers, and then as the cycle went on, those guys kind of went off the board to various other places. The Oregon lost to commit uh, or two at, at various points in the cycle, and and in the last week or so, it's like, oh my gosh, we got Dylan Gresham, who also, by the way, is taking visits to USC and Arizona and looking around. And and Jock Wrestler was was it in the class, and and then obviously now today they they flip jeremiah mcclellan and the other one we're going to talk about what you mentioned ryan wingo flipping from usc oh, as pelham. well and sorry ryan wingo yeah sorry ryan pelham not ryan wingo ryan wingo flipping over from usc so you know hop you know tell us a little bit about what you know of that recruitment and then justin or then qb you take over from there again and, and walk us through ryan pelham
2: <laughs> i was i wasn't sure if you were going to say ryan wingo a third time but <laughs> no um it's, it's easy to do that's been the hard part here is is with Oregon, you know, coming in late on some of these guys and then, of course, transfers. You know, I've had a tough time keeping track of some of the names as well. But yeah, as far as Ryan Pelham is concerned, again, this is a guy that Oregon had built those early relationships with early in the cycle. It felt like they prioritized him. I know he visited a couple times. It felt like when he committed to USC in June that it came down to Oregon and USC uh you know i i i had a a tough time it just kind of putting my finger on everything and you know there was talk about ryan pelham out there and I, you know i'm listening and i'm thinking okay well they're feeling really really good about jeremiah mcclellan i can't imagine that they're gonna you know double down here and take both these guys and and, and keep gatlin bear uh on the board of course who won't decide uh, until february um, but they did, you know. They they really kind of pushed their their uh, the foot on the gas and and were able to get Pelham. And I think not only was it again, you know, being able to showcase what they have offensively in quarterbacks coming back, what they did last year offensively, but um, you know, leaning on those relationships and and at the end at the at the stretch there, <clears throat> I think Oregon showcased a pretty strong need for wide receivers. So if you're a a young wide receiver and you're pretty confident in your ability. You know you're looking at that oregon wide receiver room thinking i've got a chance to play early there so i think those are a lot of the factors you know as for as for pelham i know qb 11 will break him down but he's a real you know just a, a great looking speed guy and, and really going to be dynamic for oregon for sure
0: yeah i um Pel- pelham's an interesting prospect um he's he's more of a slot slot receiver in my opinion he's about 510 Um, he's got good short area quickness. I don't know if he's the fastest guy in the world. I don't think he has, like, big-time burner speed. Maybe I'm wrong about that, just going off the tape available. Uh, But I think he shows really good body control, again, in the short area. So a guy that, like, is is he a home run hitter? I'm not sure about that. But is he a guy that can take, take a screen pass and get 20? and be a good 20-yard runner. We talk about that sometimes with running backs um, and their ability to be like, hey, like, is this a guy that's going to break a 60-yard run? No. Is he a great 20-yard back? Yeah, that means he's going to get like Any yardage that's available inside that 20, he's going to get all of it. And I I look at Ryan Pelham that way because of his skill set post-catch. And um, I do think he's going to be able to run the whole route tree from the slot and and do a lot of things. So uh, I think this is another big pickup. And, again, like Oregon needed numbers at wide receiver. I think Oregon very clearly preferred to get prep players over transfers in this cycle just given the way that scholarship distribution was set up. And they were able to go out and do that today and get really quality guys.
1: Yeah. And I think the other, another big story today, and this was true as we talked about, um, Dylan Gresham and also with, um, some other guys in the class, Dylan Williams, right there, Oregon was able to hold on to all of their commits, right? They didn't lose anybody, anyone else. So we know obviously with, with blue chip ratio in your class and the number four, number five class in the country, you know people are coming after your commits just like you're going after theirs. Recruiting never stops. And so the fact that not only was Oregon able to add two guys in this class at the wide receiver room that were committed to other schools, they also were able to hold on to everybody in their class And, and that I think is another big story about what, what Dan and Marshall and all of the coaching staff and all the recruiting staff, just a testament to the work that they put in down the stretch to be able to like hold all these guys, right? Justin. Yeah, yes, Doug, I'm,
2: I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's such an underappreciated aspect of recruiting, right? You just it's you, you already kind of consider them as signed, even though that's not the case, you know, all year long, as we know, with the with the signing day flips. And, you know, Oregon did such a good job. Like you said, you named several, but Dylan Williams was being quartered by several schools. I know Nebraska made a massive push for him. You know, Dylan Gresham, you know, visited USC in Arizona and some others. They were making a big push. Uh, There was a number of Shaq McCroy is another one. Colorado with the big hat toss today was really great. On top of that, last point with that, as we have seen, and I'll use USC as as a specific example because it's so notable. Not only did you hang on to your commits, Oregon does such a good job of keeping their actual players on the roster too. You know, USC losing... I don't know, three or four or five stars here in the last week or so, it's important to get these guys, you know, recruited and committed and held on to. And then it's just as important to keep them on your team. And Oregon does such a good job of all of that.
1: Anything to add, QB? You're on mute.
0: I think at the end of the day, mostly what staffs get evaluated on is their ability to play offense. But I think the truth is, is the ability to play defense and hold on to guys. Cause how many great players has Oregon had committed over the years that have gone on to have phenomenal careers at other places um, that would have been difference makers for Oregon. I mean, like even just watching the Dylan Gabriel film, I'm, I'm watching Nick Anderson have just a, an incredible uh, career for Oklahoma and really start to blossom into probably a pretty high draft pick from a year from now. And that was a guy that, uh, Oregon had committed at one point, and, and there's been countless guys like that over the years. And so Jalen Waddell was one that was really close. I don't think he was ever a public commitment, but uh, Oregon felt they had him in the bag. And so Oregon's ability to, to go out and hold off uh, potential suitors from their top commitments, signed everybody, and then also go out on offense and flip some guys that are going to be key players, uh, I think says a ton about, about the staff and the organization of Dan Lanning and Marshall Malco.
1: Yeah, and just before we pivot into kind of going room by room, player by player here, you know, one of the other things I think about, you know, again, with last year and this year and the way Dan and company have closed on these signing days in, in both holding commits and getting new ones is contrast that to all of these years we've spent watching either guys flip away from Oregon on signing day or guys that we thought we were in it for on signing day. You know, you remember all those times like, watching okay we're in the we're in the final two or final three or we got a hat on a table on signing day and then it's like usc just coming in you know this circa 10 years ago right and like cleaning up on signing day and watching all, all of our either commits or or hopeful commits uh, <laughs> walk away so now we're on the other side of that today which obviously was was shown particularly in the pelham case and is a direct contrast to, to kind of the way the way things used to be and i like this a lot better I like this method a lot better. <laughs> like most Duck fans
2: do, Doug, but you're right. No, it's it's just been great to see that the staff can not only recruit, but they can, you know, lean on those relationships that I know that they prioritize in recruiting and keep those guys committed and ultimately signed because, yeah, there's really not much more that's, uh, you know, painful than seeing a guy you, you know, I guess seeing somebody you had at the altar and they, they, they ran away at the last minute. So, uh, no, incredible job by the staff, everybody.
1: All right, let's jump into it, and do we want to talk about transfers as well in the context as as we go through room by room, as in, or do we want to just stick, it, stick to prep recruiting right now?
0: I think we stick to prep recruiting today, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about portal guys, and we've been okay. kind of talking about them as we've, as yeah. we've committed anyway, so...
1: All right, so let's talk about uh quarterbacks then. Obviously, Oregon. Well, haven't what play- receivers yet. We haven't talked about Dylan Gresham or Jack Rosley. yet. Uh, sure, we can do that. We can finish receiver room since we started there. Let's Okay, let's talk about Dylan Gresham. Um, obviously, uh, this was a, a commit that committed to Oregon quite some time ago. Kind of an under-ranked re- uh, re- commit earlier in the cycle, but I know Oregon is really high on them. And QB, why don't you start on this one and tell us what you like about, about um, Gresham?
0: I just like his explosiveness. He's a, he's a real speed guy. He can get over the top. Unbelievably productive. He set a California high school state record. Excuse me. California high school state record last year um, with like 2,700 yards or something crazy and like 43 receiving touchdowns as a junior. Not quite as productive as a senior. I don't think anyone's expecting you to follow up on that season with the, with a similar performance. But um, it was good enough to even line up at running back. I think it's a it's a – a theme here among the receiver commitments. All of these guys are unbelievably dynamic post catch. And I think that kind of goes in line with what we saw this year from the Oregon offense. Like seeing guys that could take a skinny post or a slant, um, and and then make it an 80 yard explosive play was, was a something that was at a premium for the ducks. And so, uh, Dylan Gresham was another guy like that, although he has a little bit more length than Pelham and I think could play both inside out. So another really big pickup. I know a guy that the staff really likes, um, What do you think? Yeah, I I
2: totally agree with you. The production, uh, you know, is great. You look at the the stat line and he fills it up, but then you kind of flip on the tape and you realize it's not just because he's, you know, beaten up on lower level competition, um, you know, which can happen when you're looking at kids from Washington or Idaho or Colorado or Oregon. Um, So, yeah, just a lot to like about his game. And I think the word I like to use here for him is versatility you know, this is a guy that can kind of bring a little bit of versatility to that wide receiver room. You mentioned his ability to maybe play inside if he needed to play outside. I think there's a lot of value there as we see Will Stein likes to move his guys around a lot. And, uh, you know, I don't blame some of these other schools for coming on late, but credit Oregon for, you know, seeing him early on and kind of uh, uncovering him, if you will, and recognizing, you know, his, his, uh, his game and his big playability.
1: And then the fourth receiver in that room is uh, out of powerhouse modern day in California. And that would be uh, Jack wrestler.
0: Justin, you want to go first? Sure. On
2: yeah. I mean, I know this isn't the guy that everybody is super stoked about. Um, but I mean, you look at wrestler again, a guy that kind of kind of do a little bit of everything, uh, you know, I maybe from a, a, a not from a physical standpoint is he like chase coda but just in the fact that he's able to kind of find the soft spot a little bit has good hands he's going to be a guy that works really hard and 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 elevates that room to work as hard as he does of course you've got ties to modern day i know he's kind of struggled through some injuries and oregon's kind of you know counting on getting him to eugene and rehabbed and and kind of on the right track and they think that there's something there um, this wasn't a fallback. this wasn't a guy that they signed at the last minute. this is a guy has been committed for six plus months so clearly there's something there that the staff likes so I think at this point we've got to trust him and 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 i I know I certainly will
0: yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm gonna have to default to the staff on this one. there's no senior tape to watch and the junior tape that's there isn't um something that gets me super excited but I mean when you look at the skill set he's he's definitely a slot receiver five eleven hundred ninety five pounds that um, definitely has to be more of a technician um, just due to like lack of insane explosiveness or, or twitch. Uh, but I think he's a guy that could be – I mean, there's been so many guys throughout history with similar skill sets and athletic limitations that have been productive players and some of those guys even at Oregon. So we'll see how he develops over time, and this is one that you just trust the staff on. And, and like you said, it's not a guy that they took last minute to fill a spot. This is a guy that they took early on with quite a bit of intention so uh we'll see how that one pans out
2: well and and we've talked about this before qb i don't it's been a while but um you know this doesn't just because he doesn't show up and start from day one doesn't make him a failure they'll bring him in and 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 you've got time to let him develop and maybe in two or three years this is a guy that you say oh man i remember them bringing him in and i didn't have high expectations and look at him so i think that's what you kind of get with wrestler here
0: yeah, I mean, I think that with the way that the staff recruited this year and the way that they were able to get top prog- top targets at to basically every position throughout the class, you just have to give them like you have to give them a couple benefit of the doubt ones, and this is definitely one that I'm going to give to Coach Adams and, and Coach Stein and the offensive staff.
1: Yeah, speaking of benefit of the doubt candidates, I mean, this is another one at running back now that is not highly re- uh, rated by the recruiting services, but it's it's one that Coach Lachlan really caught his eye early on in the cycle. I think he committed, I don't know, gosh, back in the summer. Um, and it's someone that I know coach Locke is really high on. And, and if, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think he's missed yet on an eval at running back. So again, I'm going to trust his, his stuff there, but I'd love to hear what you, what you both have to say about Dewan Riggs out of St. John's in Washington, DC. I love um, DeJuan yeah. Riggs. I
0: don't think he's like, I mean, if I was going to critique the ratings and this is where I'd critique them because I don't think that this is a benefit of the doubt guy at all when I turn on the films, the film with Riggs. I see all of the traits that are kind of always ple- present in in a um, Coach Lachlan running back, and a Carlos Lachlan back. He's a big physical kid um, who runs really hard, has great contact balance, and then can excel both as his own and, and gap scheme runner because he has excellent sure. instincts, pace, and, and, uh, and run skills. So I, I really, really am excited about DeJuan Riggs. I think he's a player that will be – a primary back before his time is done in Oregon um, and I think that the physical skill set there is much better than his ranking would um, allude to yeah I, I totally
2: agree and, and I felt that way since he committed um, I think <clears throat> a lot of times we kind of lose track of some of these you know all-around or all-purpose backs you know looking for either a speed dynamic kind of guy with you know this little shiftier, or the big power back And I think you look at Riggs and he's kind of that classic, true, you know, all around uh, back that you can leave on the field for all three downs if you need to. So, I mean, Bucky Irving was much the same, even though they would bring in Jordan James here and there. But um, I think you get that with Riggs. And I I mean, let's face it, Oregon didn't need to sign a bunch of running backs in this class. So signing one like Riggs and and moving on to, you know, 2025, uh, I think is a perfect recipe.
0: Yeah, and like Riggs like when you're looking at him physically like the only trait that Riggs doesn't have is elite top end speed and I think it's one of the more overrated traits in a running back. Like I, again as much as I love having backs that can break 50, 60 yard runs if they're there, like uh, again that we talked about it with the receivers, the 20 yard runner. I want a guy that's absolutely lethal inside of 20 yards that can that can take on contact, that can break tackles, make guys miss in the hole, that can sift it, sift through the trash in zone schemes or or, or bang it back. So I just want—I want guys who are good runners, and Riggs is a really, really good runner. He's strong. He's only going to get stronger once he gets into college. I, I have a really hard time being critical of this take. I think it's going to be a really good one.
1: All right, let's move over to tight end. Uh, the two scholarship tight ends in the class. I, I think there's a third one that's a PWO, perhaps. But let's start with uh, Roger Saliapaga out of Utah Hop. You know tell us a little bit about this recruitment yeah it's uh, kind of an interesting one there you know the
2: ducks battled really hard you know tennessee usc utah others uh really liked roger uh good all-around tight end i think uh you'll look to see him maybe get a little bit bigger uh you know maybe be a little bit stronger blocking but uh, i think you also kind of uh, maybe count or bank on that with his poly bloodlines and that not being something <laughs> that's too hard for for folks of that uh anyway so yeah I, I think that's what they're looking at here and that's some more diversity to the room uh much different guy than like an aj pugliano so i, I think roger sally pag would be great uh, more just depending on what shakes out with Terrence fergus Terrence ferguson you know he might not be counted on uh, much for this year, Kenyon Sadiq will obviously also come back. And I think that's a really good thing for Sally Pagga and a really great position for Oregon as well.
0: I think this is one where you're taking him with the intent of not playing him this year, which there's nothing wrong with that. I think that sometimes we are so intent on having instant impact guys at every spot that we're, we're unwilling to project upside. Um and that's what this is. This is an upside projection because he really looks and moves more like a big X receiver right now than he does like a tight end. Um, and that's that's a compliment in the of the highest order, in my opinion, because he's a guy that, as he grows into his frame and grows into his body, will become a tight end. But I don't think that he's going to lose that athletic body control or that range of, of in his receiver uh, skill set. So. That's why they take him. That's why uh, he was a priority for the staff. Um, and I think that when you look at what they've done at the position with um, Kenyon Sadiq a year ago, and then A.G. Pugliano, who's more of your traditional inline Y, and then you get Roger Sleopaga, who's also who in high school, kind of like Spencer Webb was, was more of a detached player. Um, but with a good frame, I think that you're getting a, a really diverse set of skill sets um, and athletic profiles at the tight end room.
1: All right, and then let's switch over to uh, the second commit in the room, uh, Oregon uh, t- tight end AJ Pugliano, Pugliano, Pugli, I can't say Ugliano. that. Yeah, <laughs> Ugliano, Pugliano, Pugliano, yeah. whatever. QB start.
0: Yeah, um, like I like I alluded to, I think he's more of a traditional inline Y, maybe in like the Patrick Herbert ilk. I don't think he's quite as long, but a little bit thicker kid at the same stage. He's going to be more of a developed blocker coming in, uh, but still a good athlete who I think is a threat in the passing game. So whenever you get a kid like this in your backyard, I think it's kind of a layup you need to get them um, because you can never go wrong having solid tight ends. And I think that like the floor for Pugliano was a very solid player.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Um, And I think that this will be another one we need to temper expectations a little bit with. Um, Was injured, if I recall, the first or second game of of the season this year. Uh, We'll be coming back from that knee injury. So I think, you know, he'll be brought along slowly at Oregon for Oregon. Nothing wrong with that, um, but like you said, it's it's a different player than Sally Apaga. Give both of them some time, let them develop, let them grow, let them get stronger. I think you've got a really good look uh excuse me, tight end room uh, in two to three years with both of these guys.
1: All right, and then we we could touch on Cade. If you, anything you know about Cade Catan, it's the other tight end commit in this class, I believe also signed today out of Manville, Texas. Believe he's a walk-on, and I have not had a lot of chance to watch
0: him, so I don't have anything to say. That's that is correct. Yeah, that's yeah. A- no, he is uh,
2: technically a walk-on. You know, I think Oregon um, did really well here, uh, getting him to commit and coming in to agree to that. I think you've got a a pretty big body type here, a guy that's going to grow and and add quite a bit of weight. So if you're looking for that that kind of that that mauler, that blocker. I think he'll be that doesn't mean he can't catch the football, but he's just going to be a little bit more in that mold when we do see him on the field.
1: Yeah, he's listed at 250, so definitely a bigger tight end. He had scholarship offers out of mostly the FCS level, so it's a good get as a walk on for sure. Uh, let's move over. We skipped by quarterbacks. Let's go back there. Uh, Oregon at one point had two quarterbacks in this class. Obviously, with the way things have trended in the portal for Oregon and otherwise, they've they've uh, Michael Van Vuren moved on. I believe he ended up committing to is it Arkansas or? I think he went to Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi yeah. State mississippi state thank you mississippi state so but oregon uh signed today luke moga out of out of arizona in your neck of the woods qb what do you like about i know you he's super athletic but tell us a little bit about uh moga, what you like about him and then uh and then hop you can go after that i actually
0: have to go see him play uh once this year his high school is like 15 minutes from my house so really really convenient to go see him uh six to probably about 190 pounds Super twitchy athlete. Ran a 10-5, tied for first in the state last year at the Arizona State track meet uh, in the 100-meter. Like, one of the fastest, if not the fastest quarterbacks Oregon's gotten a commitment from ever. Um, And then when you you flip on the film and watch him as a passer, he's got a good mechanical foundation. He's a guy that's still pretty new to the position, but he's been getting good training down here. There's a lot of good quarterback coaches in the Valley, Um, and and that clearly has set a good foundation for him because he doesn't have – like typically, when you're like, oh, he's an athlete that you're moving to to uh, quarterback, you end up with like funky motions. I go back and I think of like the complete mechanical reconstruction they tried to do with a prospect like Travis Waller back in the day. Um, that's not what this is at all. He's got a good mechanical foundation. He's got a pretty. He's got a pretty live arm, which you would expect, right? Like when you have a guy who with good mechanics who's type of twitchy explosive athlete um, that Luke Moga is and has the body control that he has. I mean, there's tons of videos of him throwing down some pretty impressive dunks. Um, you would, there's going to, the ball's going to pop off of his hand and it does. Um, and so the question with him really is he plays a really low level of high school football in Arizona, similar to what Ty Thompson played. And so you're going to get him in. You, there's obviously no need for him to have to start anytime soon with the additions that Oregon's made in the transfer portal. But what you're, what you're getting here is a really, really high end raw set. Um, that Stein's going to be able to mold and develop over the course of the next couple of years and see what you got.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I probably really don't have any more to add there. I mean, I think again, we're talking about a guy that's not expected to start day one. If he is starting day one, that means something's gone terribly wrong at Oregon. No disrespect to MOGA, but um, you know, I think you bring in a raw athlete and really give him a lot, a lot of time to learn and grow and develop. And I, I think if you're Will Stein, You know, you're kind of licking your chops, looking at this guy thinking, man, if I can get, you know, if I can get some things fine tuned here, I got a guy that's going to be absolutely a lethal threat in the run game as a quarterback. So and you have the time to do it. So that's the best part about Luke Moga.
1: All right, let's move over and finish off the offense on the offensive line. Four commits total in this class, three tackles and one interior guy and and tackle was obviously a position uh that Oregon needed to get some bodies in this class and uh, you know, with the offensive line you're always looking for guys that are probably not day one starters. Uh, I mean, if you can get one of those great, but Oregon really has you know their tackles lined up for 2024 you're really looking for 2025 and beyond and let's start with the highest rated tackle that oregon got in this commit class which is jaquan mccroy out of alabama just massive human being but uh, justin tell us a little bit about his recruitment and then obviously uh, i know uh, i know colorado was making a late push for him and then qb you could kind of break him down for us
2: yeah massive human being is is exactly right and oregon's got a few of them on the offensive line but Shaq might even be the biggest uh, which is Saying quite a bit, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, a guy Oregon, you know, pri- prioritized early on. Uh, in fact, ahead of a couple of the in-state schools, and I know that maybe that raised some eyebrows initially, um, but it gave Oregon the chance to to uh, earn his commitment while those guys tried to figure it out, which they later did. Of course, Colorado made the late push there as well, but kind of leaning on a Terry and the relationship, and the fact that he was one of the early offers, you know, was a big feather in the cap for the ducks. And then just, of course, what Oregon was able to do with it with its offensive line this year and the accolades and the success that they had. Yeah. We are not really counting on Shaq McRoy to come in, uh, and be a day one starter or anything like that. Like you said, there's very few offensive linemen that can come from the high school level and do that. It's really difficult. And if you're playing big boy football, uh, it's usually not the recipe that you're after, but Shaq McRoy won't have to do that. And I think you got to love what you've got to work with there.
0: Yeah. I mean, Shaq is an enormous human being and I think that's where it starts, right? Like even if let's say he doesn't develop at all, it's still a $50 cab ride to get around him and as an, as an edge rusher, cause you're, you're very unlikely going to go through him. Um, because he, he is thick from head to toe and he's going to have plenty of anchor to, uh, to sit to sit down and, and to absorb a bull rush and so um, I, I know I've, I've seen the 24/ seven guys comp him to Dewan Dewand Duwan uh, Jones yeah the the former Ohio State tackle I don't know if he moves quite that well Dewan Jones is a pretty special athlete at that size but um, the question is is what happens to uh, Shaq McCroy's frame as it's reshaped and rebuilt into that of a grown man and not a like massively underdeveloped 18 year old who's somehow a six-eight, three hundred and sixty 360 pounds. Um, like does that uncover additional athleticism, like lateral movement bend, um, how does his power, um, Manifest once he gets stronger through the core, and once he starts playing with better, better pad level, right? Because, like all high school offensive linemen, like you're really just looking at a tall t- or a uh, a set of athletic tools and, and, and traits, um, and then projecting what it looks like after they spend some time in the weight room and, and with your with your coaches learning technical stuff. Because, just I'm going to say this about every single one of these guys: none of them are technically advanced. Um, None of them are ready to play. Uh, they all need to get stronger. They all need to work on their pad level. Uh, and these are all blanket statements that can be said about 99.9% of, of uh, high school offensive line prospects, even the most elite ones. And so um, the skill set is really intriguing with Shaq McCroy because he's huge. Um, but what does it look like once they start stripping that weight off and rebuilding them the right way? We'll have to wait and see because I, I think ultimately what you're hoping from in this offensive line class is your Oregon is that two or three of these guys become – Starter quality players, and then uh, there's going to be some washouts.
1: All right, let's move over to the next guy on the list, the local local player out of uh, Vancouver, Washington, Fox Crater. This was a, a commitment that he Oregon landed him, but he he had been. He took a lot of visits to a lot of big time schools. I know he went to Georgia. He went to a lot of SEC schools over the course of the summer, and there was a lot of interest in him. So, uh, QB, what do you what can you tell us about Fox and what you like about him? And then Justin, you feel free to jump in after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Fox has just got like ridiculous traits. Like he's super. He's long. He's six six. He's got long arms. He's like built the right way. He carries the weight proportionally throughout his frame. He's got good initial quickness and get off. Um, like he's got all the traits that you want in a future starting tackle. Um, he has absolutely no idea what he's doing yet, and that's totally fine because none of these kids do. Um, his pad level stinks, which is, again, not a problem because he does with all of them. Uh, and and he gets way too narrow in his base, which is true for all of these guys as well. So uh, the thing here is, all right, get him in, teach him how to play the position, get him get him the first probably like really, truly good technical training he's ever received. But there's just the reason he was so hotly pursued around the country was, there's just not a lot of 6'6", 290-pound, 300-pound kids who carry their weight as effortlessly as he do, who can redirect and change directions laterally, who can get off and, and, and create power through their hips uh, in the run game. And so um, this is this is my favorite offensive line commitment in the class. I think this is a guy that will become a, a quality starter for at some point for Oregon on the offensive line, specifically a tackle just due to his length. Um, but like the other guys, there's, there's going to be some time invested by the coaching staff and the strength and conditioning staff to get him there.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, this is one where we talk about Oregon, you know, being able to hang on to its commitments and hanging on to Fox Crater early in the cycle. You know, there wasn't a big push for him by anyone else here in the last few months. But, you know, over that spring when there was the transition from Adrian Clem to Alec Terry, you know, this is a guy that all of a sudden everybody in the country offered. And, and I, 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 I don't say that lightly. I mean, he, he literally got every offer took a ton of visits and the ducks had to fight like heck to keep him committed and they were able to do that. So I think, um, like you're saying QB it's, you know, why is, why is he such a priority and a big get for Oregon? It's because of, you know, the player that you can turn him into, uh, in a couple of years. And and like you said, this is a guy that could, you know, be a, a multi-year starter for you on the offensive line and and could see a potential career in the NFL. So a huge win for Oregon.
0: I mean, in the spring, he took took visits to Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, USC. Like he took all all kinds of visits um, to all kinds of big programs. Took a visit to Texas as well, um, at Texas A and M, Auburn. So there there was no shortage of people interested in his services and his skill set. And to me, it's pretty obvious why he's also an Army Army All American. I know we talked a lot about a bunch of guys. A lot of these guys are committed to playing in games, whether it's the under Armour game, the Army Bowl, or the Polynesian Bowl. In some cases, two of the three. So, um, tons and tons of of uh, high level national prospects in the class.
1: Yeah, it's always fun. You know, you go back not that many years, and you'd have maybe Oregon would have two or three, four guys playing in those in those All Star games, and now it's like eh, it's three quarters of the class. It's it just shows you like how how much the the recruiting has leveled up um, over the course of time here and especially under dan these last two years uh let's move over to the third tackle in the class and this this is a kid who i think has only going playing play an organized football for a couple of years uh trent ferguson out of salem
2: yeah uh, uh you want to go first sure yeah uh you know somebody that you know i know this one actually dates back to when adrian clem was here you know uh, kind of identified him and saw him and, and really uh you know, Ferguson was some somewhat of a nobody from Salem, but, you know, the Ducks, uh, the staff flipped on the tape and saw him and realized that, wow, this is a really big human being uh, with some potential. So, not, uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to sell this as a massive recruiting win. Oregon identified him early. He's from the state of Oregon, so it was an easy one for him. Um, but it doesn't mean that it can't be a really good player for the Ducks. We've seen, you know, offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you know, pan out for Oregon. Uh, in the past from from the state so gotta love this one here and this is again another guy you pick up and and stash on your on your roster on your bench and watch him grow for a year or two and and then see what you have and um, he's got a lot of the uh he's got a lot of the measurables we'll see if he can figure out the rest of it
0: yeah, this is one that's super intriguing to me because when he initially committed based off his very limited – so he's only. let's start off. He's only played football for two years. This is his first full season of football. He joined their football team like midway through his junior year last year um, before Oregon offered, and it was like, okay, you're watching him, and it's like he's just a big raw ball of clay, like even more raw than everybody else. Had no idea what he was doing. Big but just massive kid. Um, and I was like, all right, well, I mean, they're obviously taking him at guard then. Um, we'll see what, what happens. Then you find out like, Oh, he's a pretty high level lacrosse player. You, then the senior film comes out and you get to see him play tackle and what it looks like with a, with one year of actual football and development under his belt. And he still has a lot of stuff to work on from a technical standpoint, but there's some things you can't teach that Ferguson has. First of all, he has extremely awesome length. He's six, six plus 300 plus pounds. Um, but he also plays with really good natural bend. Like you watch him play, uh, he's not a waistbender. He's a guy that plays with good bend in his knees, um, and, he, and he plays with his hands. He's not just trying to. He's not just trying to bury guys like a lot of high school kids try to do. Um, he plays with good balance, which actually reminds me a lot of Calvin Throckmorton at the same stage. Coming out of high school up there, in I think Spokane, Washington. So uh, Ferguson to me is a player that, like, if I'm betting on any of the the like kind of unheralded, lower rated recruits to just become total studs, this is my pick. I think Ferguson is going to be. I think Ferguson has the athletic talent for his size, which is very uncommon, especially from the state of Oregon. Uh, his build, he's not like a tall drink of water. He's thick through the lower half. He's got nice big muscle bellies through his quads and calves. Um, I don't know. I this is one that, as more film of, and I have gotten more exposure to him, I've grown to like him more and more and more, um, and just seeing the way he moves. Now, there's still quite a bit of coordination that needs to take place. He's growing into his body, needs to get stronger. All the all the things that uh, can be said about every offensive line prospect, but this is a guy that I'm actually quite excited about, um, and I think that when people look at our offensive line class, they see Crater, they look at McCroy as kind of a project, and then the two guys from the state uh, between him and Brooks kind of get ignored. Um, And I know they're from the state of Oregon, so we kind of take them for granted, but I I actually think we got two pretty high-quality prospects with really good projectable skill sets out of those guys.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned the last uh, offensive line commitment here. This is the one guy on the interior that they're taking in this class. Oregon has a lot of interior guys that they've loaded up on over the last few classes, so maybe not as much of a need there in this cycle. And Devin Brooks out of Clackamas, listed at 6'4", 290. Uh, you have touched him a little bit, QB, but maybe finish up, and then, Hob, you can uh, you can go from there. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say
0: is Dan Lanning has not shown the propensity of former staffs to just take kids to say they took the kids from Oregon. Like, I, I don't think that they would have taken either one of these kids if they wouldn't have taken them if they were from Southern California or Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I, I think that genuinely the skill set of both of these guys is good enough to justify taking them no matter where they're from. Uh, Brooks, I, I agree with you. I think he projects more as an interior lineman, but the good thing is is he has length. Uh, he plays left tackle for Clackamas, as you'd expect. For I mean, They're going to put their best guy out there. But I actually almost wonder if he's a guy that could project at center. He's... Got really good movement. He's super fluid through the lower half. Can change directions. Can get out and pull. Um, I think he's going to get bigger. He's probably only about two hundred eighty pounds, but he carry he's super lean. He doesn't carry a lot of bad weight. So whereas some some guys like a Shaq McCroy that you're bringing in, it's going to be reshaping the body with him. It's just going to be building uh, because he comes in lean and 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 athletic. Um, and so I, I think he could play guard. I think that there's a chance he might find himself at center uh, just because of how much Oregon likes length at the center position and the ability to get out and move. So uh, Devin Brooks is a player that was pursued by a lot of other teams. I know he was pretty high on Washington's board. Uh, this is a guy that, that I think is going to be a pretty good player.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with you. I think the fact that uh, you know, Dill, he could have been in another state and Oregon would have still taken him. Uh, Washington, USC, and others were recruiting him uh, at the time he committed to Oregon. So, yeah, an interior guy. I don't think the interior offensive line was a massive need in this cycle. But when you have one right under your nose that could be a really good player for you, you take him. And Dan Lanning did that. So, um, have no problem with this take. It's not just, a, oh, he's an Oregon kid. We got to take him. Don't feel that way at all. Um This one was a battle. I don't think folks realize this one was a real battle to get. Uh, I think Washington had the upper hand there for quite some time. Again, this is a guy Oregon got on early, clam left. You know, Alec Terry came in and had to do some work building that relationship with him. And was able to do that so um this guy had pretty good offers and it wasn't just a oh let's take another Oregon organ kid to take one uh this is one that you kept away from your competitors uh and we're just fortunate to have right under your nose so uh, i think this would be a good one in a couple of years for oregon
1: all right um we're gonna move over to the we, we got everyone on offense right i think we got everyone on offense well, can, I, can i say something really quick on
0: the offense absolutely line? please so the 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 theme here is that all of these guys are projects but they all, but and that can be said for probably every offensive line class whether you're Georgia Alabama North Dakota State or Portland State the thing is is that you're when like what you're really wanting is you're wanting the the the, the rare traits and athletic tools and I think that Oregon did a really <laughs> good job of that in this class despite the fact that it doesn't manifest in super highly rated guys um obviously Jordan Seaton would have been a really nice get and would have been probably different than everybody else in this group but when when we evaluate offensive line classes in hindsight, what we always find is that if you can if you can get two or three starter quality players out of every class, you end up with a really deep and talented room filled with NFL guys. And so that's really what Oregon needs to look for here. They need to, they need to turn two or three, and if they can make four guys out of this room and, and the good starter quality players, that means that they've done an elite job. So um, I, I think that like keeping that proper context in mind uh, is important with with uh with offensive line recruiting
1: yeah i mean more than any other position on the field that's it's a developmental position coming out of high school and going into college for sure and yeah there's there's a there's the rare guys like a Panay sewell right um but you know even those guys need development and and most of them aren't ready to play Panay's and plays an exception to the rule even for highly rated guys and i think um the fact that you're getting guys that have the right traits and the right body types and the right qualities. And, and yeah, you, you grab four, you grab five, and then you see which two end up in your starting lineup two years down the road.
0: Yeah, I was talking to some Miami fans the other day about Samson Lola. Like, that's a guy that they still think probably needs a whole other year after this year of development before he's ready to be a starter. Like, that's a that was a five-star guy with about as good of a skill set, projectable skill set as possible, but there's just – there's an unknown with offensive line recruiting. I think that's even more tough to, tough to, to manage than, than any other position in the sport. So.
1: All right. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball and look at Oregon landed a really good offensive class. And we'll, you know, there really isn't a position of weakness anywhere on either side of the ball, obviously. Um, but, you know, you, you know, there's not any position on offense really like, Oh, they missed there. They missed there. Like everybody's, They've either got top-end guys or, or in the case of like a MOGA or some of the offensive line talent, like guys that can develop into something. But, man, we're going to start talking about this defense now. And what Dan Lanning and company have done on this side of the ball now for the second year in a row is uh, – it's nothing short of remarkable. And if you're an Oregon fan and you're a, defensive, a fan of good defense, like – I mean, we saw Oregon's defense take a big, massive jump this year from – you know what was a you know kind of lower end power 5 defense a year ago in Dan's first year to being a top 20 defense statistically in the 2023 season and I think with that last year's class now entering year 2 and this class coming in with some immediate um guys that are going to play immediately just like last year's like this this unit's going to be special going forward and that that's not that's what Dan wants right I mean he's a defensive guy and, and this is talk talk kind of at a high level about the the, the defense and this class, and then we can get to the specific position. So I'll let, I'll let each of you vamp a little bit on that subject too. Pop, why don't you start?
2: Uh, yeah. I So I think if you just kind of take a step back and just talk about defense and start looking at it position by position – uh, and, and again, we're going to evaluate them in terms of, of need and what they were able to sign. It's really difficult to pick a favorite group, you know, from this. I think, you know, did Oregon need to go sign a big defensive line class? No, they didn't, but they still went and found some dudes, and it's another strong group. Uh, I think Oregon needed some help in the secondary in this class, safety and corner both, and that might not be a uh, a high numbers group but it's a high quality group and i think all of those guys that they were able to sign in that group will have an opportunity to contribute right away at oregon and then of course we know oregon needed linebackers they need linebackers for the future you know they brought in jess and jacobs last year they need some bodies there but i think if you're going to get another year out of jacobs and bassa potentially neither have have officially declared but if you get both those guys back for a year And then, you know, the the guys that are going to bring in behind them have a really good chance as well. So, again, maybe not a a quantity group, but quality there. So, uh, it's, you know, you you can call it what you want, but they're building an SEC defense out west, and it's clear to recruiting and clear through the product on the field.
0: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) When, when you if you would have asked me at the beginning of the of the cycle to go through position by position, and say hey like what's the profile we talked about this I think on last year's podcast like hey what's the profile that Dan's going for and like now we evaluated after the fact and what did you get and like yeah there's some players Oregon would have liked to have like a Justin Williams uh, or an Xavier Fulsamy but Oregon didn't miss on the profile at any spot, and they also didn't miss on numbers at any spot. So then they didn't compromise the profile while getting the numbers that they needed at any spot. This this is far and away Oregon's best prep defensive class ever. Um, I don't need to see it play to know that. Like, this group is going to be special. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about them, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to say that every single one of these guys is an early enrollee, mid-year enrollee, so we're going to see them all in the spring too.
1: Which is just huge for getting on the field in year one as well. So let's start on the on the defensive line on the inside, Aiden Breeland out of Day in California. You know, five star recruit, one of the top twenty players in the country. Um, you know, just to talk a little bit about his commitment, and then QBU jump on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know one of the things that we've really and I say we, I mean. I mean, analysts, I mean, people that follow Oregon recruiting daily, uh, you know, one of the things that we've all really, really learned and kind of grasped onto in the last three, four or five years is how important it is keeping that elite defensive line talent that's in the West, which isn't an abundance of out West, you know, kind of got old watching Georgia and Alabama come over uh and take those guys but when you're oregon and i I do understand that the pac-12 is no more but we are and, and i'll work to get out of that mindset which will be tough to do but you know at the end of the day you still do have to face usc and washington and ucla uh you know out west seemingly most years if you can get that talent not only are you better you keep that talent from them and I mean, I think USC can do a decent job recruiting nationally. Uh, once they get rid of Lincoln Riley, they'll be able to do better defensively recruiting. But until that happens, you know, you just really make your program so much better than those out West because you're getting the talent and they are having to not only go for, for less talent, they're having to work other areas to do so. So, an Aiden Breland he's the best defensive line prospect out West. You know, he goes to modern day, that helps your cause 100% recruiting uh, that school, which again is a pipeline. And I I feel like a broken record, but once again, this is a guy, you know, Oregon got on campus early, you know, Alabama, USC, everybody was courting him, Georgia, everybody was on him. He had all the offers, um, you know, but the ducks really leaned on relationships and made him such an early priority. And again, I think if you're a, a player like Breland, we'll probably say this more in the podcast, that wants to play in an SEC-style defense without going 3,000 miles away to do so, you look pretty hard at Oregon right now. So I think that's you know what Oregon brings and was able to do for a guy like Breland.
0: The, the thing that, that is true and is eternally true is that body types like Breland do not grow on trees out here. Um, and so when they come around, it's important to one – get them and keep them away from the other West coast programs, but not let the teams from the South come get the guy. That's just like the high end players from their region, right? Like like the, the, the fall off from Breland and Jericho Johnson. And I'm, I'm going to talk about him as if he's a commit, because we're probably not going to record another podcast tomorrow. And he's heavily crystal ball favored to Oregon. I think we all kind of think that's where that's going, but the Jericho Johnson's and the Elijah rushings and the guys that are available, beyond them on this part of the country is there's a huge drop off in skill set massive there is not a second Aiden Breland. there's not a second Jericho Johnson and there's not a second Elijah uh, Elijah rushing on the west coast and so if you want to build a like truly elite like when i say elite like i don't care i'm not talking about regionally i'm talking nationally like if you want to be an elite front you have to be as as talented as Georgia Alabama or Ohio State um, and if you're gonna do that on the West Coast, you need to basically monopolize these kinds of guys and Oregon absolutely did in this class. They got all of them um, and Aiden Breeland no different. I mean you're beating Georgia head to head for a guy that Georgia really wanted. He would have probably been Georgia's best defensive line commitment in this class Him or Jonah Jaier, which was another guy that Oregon was in on um, and and that that to me says everything you need to know about about Aiden Breeland um, he's six five he's two hundred ninety pounds long just ridiculous explosive power twitch uh the way his frame is built like he's going to be a 300 pound guy that moves like he's 250 pounds and um he his natural heavy hands and natural explosive power is it's uncommon regardless of what part of the country you're from and so collecting guys with elite traits is what dan's trying to do and and aiden Breland is like at the absolute pinnacle of that and when you consider the scarcity of players like him out west it, it really adds uh, context to just how massive of a pickup that was.
1: Well, why don't we go ahead and talk about Jericho Johnson now? Again, he's not a commit to Oregon right now. He is committing tomorrow. I think it's it's pretty well likely, certain, whatever you want to call it, 99% that he will commit to Oregon tomorrow. Again, another 6'4", 300-pound. I think this is like your your nose tackle type, zero tech, one tech type body. So, you know, QB, why don't you jump in on him, and then, then we'll go to Hop.
0: Yeah, so real quick Breland, Breland will play not, he's not an edge player, but he'll play outside, so he'll play our, our, our true three four end. So he'll play everything from a three technique to like a five. Kind of like what Dorlis did. I don't think he's ever gonna line up on the outside like Dorless did in a pinch at times, but uh he's he's gonna be an absolute demon in the B B and C gaps. Uh whereas Jericho Johnson's your true plugger, he's an A gap player, zero one, nose tackle, whatever you wanna call it, six four, uh three hundred and fifty five pounds. You're gonna notice the theme here on the defensive line is length. And it's actually was the theme on the offensive line too. Um, And at different times in the past, Oregon, because they haven't recruited these positions or been able to get the same caliber of player has had to settle uh, for guys that don't have good length on the interior and, that can cause matchup problems, like what we saw in the in the Pac-12 title game. So, um, getting longer, bigger, stronger, more explosive was the, was the goal here. Jericho Johnson, nose tackle, accomplishes all of those things. You're not compromising length. You're getting all the girth in the world. Uh, you're getting a guy with good with good explosive power, with good quickness. Um, he's a guy that's probably is probably about 350 pounds right now which is certainly too heavy um but once you get him into the program and and rip some of that weight off get him down closer to that 315 310 weight uh and uncover that explosive athleticism that exists on his junior film you got a guy that can be a real difference maker uh, in the gap
2: yeah it's uh you know it's versatility in that room you know you've got different pieces it's not just a bunch of the same body type Uh, and i think that really speaks volumes to the evaluations these guys do and you know, again, like we said with Breland, this is a guy that Washington would love to have. In fact, I think they thought they had him for a while. Uh, Utah, you know, pushed really, really hard. If Utah wants him, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, USC pushed very hard for Jericho Johnson. So, uh, I believe, and I'm, I, I could go back and look, but I believe Oregon had Jericho Johnson on campus more than he visited all the other schools combined, you know, he just, they did a great job, you know, getting him up often. He took a couple visits this fall, took his official visit in December. Um, you know, that I think they just played this recruitment really well, didn't take him for granted, didn't say, oh, we've got Aiden Breland," and, and you know, we we're able to get Elijah rushing. We're good. Like, nah, let's be greedy and take them all. Uh, let's try and get Johnson. So, you know, of course, we're assuming he commits tomorrow and this is recruiting and, and, and nothing's off the table, but it sure looks good for Oregon to add Johnson and really just another unique body type to that room.
0: Yeah, again, you're monopolizing the high-end talents on the West Coast. And it's not just because they're the best out West. Like These guys are would be elite talents anywhere. Uh, and that's the one thing that Dan's proven is he's going to go where the talent is. So if we can get him out West, that's great. But, again, number one defensive tackle in California – or in, in Northern California, Breland would be the number one defensive tackle in California. Um, but just a big, powerful young man that like, when you think about pairing him with – the likes of Terrence Green and Amari Washington and some of the guys from the last class and some of the guys we're going to talk about here shortly. Um, just the amount of just ridiculous talent that's that exists in the defensive line room is truly unlike anything we've ever seen. And, and even when we've been good on the defensive line, we've never had depth of talent or skill sets like this. We've never
1: just been loaded with such incredible length and explosiveness yeah it's an embarrassment of Richards let's let's stick on the inside and then we'll come back to the edge players and the outside players but so Xavier this is another hard name to say Xavier Sims out of Durant Oklahoma six three two seventy five. early commit to Oregon how you know his commit his recruitment's been quiet since he committed which is obviously a great thing for Oregon but you know QB tell us what you like about Sims and then hop you can talk about him too
0: um, I love Zadavian Sims. So, like, uh, shout out to Coach Jones. Uh, a lot of people on the scoop duck boards know him as Mud Um Refers to guys like this as wi- uh, white ass Thunderpigs. And I think it's like the most apt description of the defensive line classes that Oregon's been getting. But Zadavian Sims is another guy, 6'3, 6'4, 300 pounds, great length, incredible. Like, if we look at his frame, just thick from head to toe. Um, is going to be able to two gaps, got long arms, uh, play, play either. I will see if he grows into a nose tackle or if he stays at like that, that, uh, four, eye defensive end slash three technique position, depending on the front. Cause to remember Oregon, so multiple, it's not like these guys just play one one position, but, um, a guy that's just really, really strong shows good bend and athleticism, not the most twitchy or explosive guy in the world. I think relative to some of the other guys in this class, like a Breland or a Johnson, uh, but really has really, it's really strong and he's really coordinated, Um uh, so uh, again, just another—you're just stacking really high-end, uh, high-end skill sets here. A guy that was very heavily courted by in-state Oklahoma and Oregon won that one for so a uh, big-time player that I think that, that I think really bolsters the defensive line room really and creates awesome depth.
2: Yeah, I, I uh, you know like I said just a moment ago, you've added another body, another player to the room, but it's not a duplicate. You know, and I think you know, if, if you look at Zadavian Sims and you kind of maybe compare him to Jericho Johnson, they're different players. And I think Sims is, is really explosive, like criminally explosive for a guy his size, you know, so when you bring in for, for potential, you know, pass rush situation or something, you look for that burst up the middle, this guy that can do that for you. So, um, and like you said, if, if Brent Venables at Oklahoma wants him and state guy, you know you you definitely you know that kind of gives it that stamp of approval if you will so you know oregon did get him out for saturday night live and i was able to see him there and you know there was a number of of really good defense alignment out there but he was certainly one of the best guys on the field and uh it was it was abundantly clear why oregon um you know was taking him and i know they were not you know sad about his commitment um after seeing him live and in person so really like what sims brings to the table and i think this is uh You know we talked about a little while ago but it's one of those guys that's kind of criminally underrated and 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 could be one of those guys that we're talking about in a couple years
0: yeah another guy i believe he's committed to play in the army game uh but the thing with him is i believe he has a wrestling background and you see that he's got just excellent core body strength and core body control he he just he's just like human leverage like despite being pretty long he doesn't get out leveraged easily um, and he's just – he's so thick. He's just got a great – he's got a f- great frame to grow into. So, interior guy, A, B, got player. Um, I, I think he, he could develop into somebody that has some pass rush upside, but certainly will be like a, a, a first and second down run stopper.
1: All right. One final one on the interior, and that's uh, Tony Gray out of Missouri is a guy that Oregon was – I think it was a flip from – might have been even from Missouri, but uh, back in the spring, another big guy, 6'6", 300 pounds. Justin, tell us a little bit about his recruitment, and then QB, you can break it down. Yeah, I think uh,
2: here's what I love about Teon Gray and the rest of the guys. I think you're looking um, you know, for Oregon to possibly bring in you know, maybe an interior guy or two on the defensive line and the transfer portal this year. But I think they're looking for guys that might probably fit that one and done type of mold because you look at Tion Gray and you look at Sims and you look at Johnson uh, and Breland and think, okay, these guys are going to be our future, you know, between, you know, these guys and and, and who Oregon signed last year, you've got a really strong core base there. And I think, I think Gray just is, he's got, you know, he, he looks like that white-ass Thunder Pig that you referenced a few minutes ago. You know, big body, just nice and thick. And I just, you know, I love, again, this is not a duplicate. This is a different body type. He has different intangibles. And uh, I do believe that you look gray. And I think that this is not a guy that we should be expecting to come in and play a ton of reps or be in the two deep immediately. But that's not um, an indictment. I think that this is a guy down the line Oregon will be counting on.
0: Yeah, I mean Gray has tremendous length. That's the first thing, right? Like he's six six, like legit six six. Through almost three hundred pounds, carries it super well, well. Well proportioned again. Like we say this about everybody, and the reason we're saying it about everybody is because it's true about everybody. Uh, Marshall Malco and Dan Lanning have been super disciplined in sticking to their their player profiles in terms of physically what they're looking for, um, and. And, and 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 I think it's actually pronounced. I think it's Tion Tion Gray uh, fits that to a T. He's the typical. He's the your archetype uh, for length on on as as a three down defensive end. He could play a three technique inside. Guards are going to have a hard time with him because of his length. Tackles are going to have a hard time with him because of his length. He's going to be able to anchor. He has really good quickness for his size. He's a guy that was recruited by some schools as an offensive tackle, which typically, like that skill set, doesn't exist across to play both. Uh, and, and Gray was is a legitimate prospect on both sides of the ball. And I think because of his short area quickness and get off, um, he actually has some. And combined with his length, I think he's got some pretty good pass rush upside. So. Um, Again, we're talking about combining this with last year's defensive line class. You've basically taken almost ten interior defensive linemen in two cycles. And I agree with you. I think that Oregon is is going to like grab a couple guys out of the portal, one or two guys, to kind of serve as that buffer, that top line for this year. Uh, but beyond that, it's going to be it's going to be the youth. It's going to be it's going to be these guys, whether it's Gray, Johnson, Breland, uh, Sims, or from last year, Washington, Bowen. Green, Gardner, I mean, there's just there's just so many guys uh, and so much talent and ability, and, and it's, it's all an upgrade in physical skill set over what we've been used to. So really excited to see this group develop, um, but the starting point is so strong.
1: Let's look at the edge players now. Again, this is a position Oregon added, five kind of, you know, Defensive end, edge players, outside linebackers in last class, we saw three of them play, you know, significant snaps every game this year. And then in this class, they're adding two more. Let's start at the top with, uh, again, five-star Elijah Rushing out of South Point Catholic in Tucson, Arizona, down near neck of the woods there, QB. Oregon was thought to be an early leader for his commitment for quite some time. Then he committed to Arizona over the summer and then backed off of that commitment and flipped over to Oregon, I think, a few months ago in the fall. So, you know, QB, tell us, tell us about rushing. Tell us where he fits into this defense and, and what you like. Obviously, there's a lot to like about a five-star, but break him down.
0: Uh, first thing is length, and that's going to be, again, a theme here. Is He's 6'6", 250, 260 pounds. Uh, he's an edge player in the same sense that like Jordan Birch and Trayvon Walker were edge players in this in this same system, um, but he's not like your Jack Rabbit small edge player. He's going to be probably – 270, 275 pounds by the time he's done developing. He's got a big frame, extraordinary length, really good, like impressive bend in athleticism, body control for his for his length. Like guys typically don't move. He moves like a much smaller athlete. Um he doesn't have like the Jackrabbit elite get off that a guy like Avon Thibodeau had, but he wins in different ways. He's he's very much like a spider. He's just got this like got, he uses length, leverage, um, and, he, and he's got these arms that are like, they're like sloth arms where he puts his hands on tackles and they can't even get a hand on him because he's just got them completely pressed out so um, I think this is a player who will play next year. I don't think he's gonna play a massive role depending on what Jordan Birch does uh, in terms of coming back or going pro but he's but he's a guy that given a year in a weight room will probably play a very similar role to what Jordan Birch has played in Oregon uh, and is just an incredibly high end talent.
2: Yeah, I, um, you know, I know it it caught a lot of folks by surprise, you know, <laughs> it's funny because we sit here today and I'm, I'm going to think back to it, but, you know, Elijah rushing committed to Arizona originally, and, you know, most of us, and not just me, I mean, national people everywhere it expected it to be Oregon, and rushing did a pretty good job surprising everyone, but this was one of the very few times, I don't do it often, but this is one of the very, because I don't like doing it, this is one of the very few times where it's like, hey, just hang on here guys it's uh i don't know he committed in july or whenever he did it it's you know oregon is going to keep on this one Oregon's is going to keep on this one and uh you know it, it was pretty clear that this is a guy dan lanning was not going to let get away easily um you know from him for many of the reasons we've already outlined you know elite talent out west defensive linemen you know elite measurables all those things you know dan lanning's gonna give his best shot there so Of course, the Ducks were able to win out in the end and get rushing to ultimately sign, you know, with them. And it's a, you know, it's a massive win. It's just, uh, it's pretty remarkable how they're able to get all these body types. And here we are talking about the defense. I think we're only six or seven guys in and we're, you know, (laughs) I'm just constantly reminded at at how well they've recruited defensively.
1: Yeah, yeah, this it, it's just a different.
0: Ahead, ahead. It's just a different animal. <laughs> like, like we we thought we were we were like we would like dabble into moving in this direction under Mario. Like we'd get a on Timido, you'd get like a a guy or or uh, two guys in a class that maybe had some length that was better. But then like ultimately like the nucleus of the of the room would be these like kind of roly polyoli short interior defensive linemen, and and the edge players would be like one elite guy and then kind of a bunch of jags and like this is just different. Like it's just consistent top to bottom freaks. Um, it's, it's awesome to see and I, It's something I never thought I would see at Oregon.
1: Uh, yeah. It it just, I, I think we were grading earlier. It uh, was kind of grading the, the different rooms and, and how the staff did, recruited, you know, at each position group for this cycle. And I got to defense and it's like, interior a edge a linebacker a corner a safety a like i mean they just knocked it out of the park across the board in this cycle in all these position groups and we're going to talk about linebackers inside linebackers next and this is another position where oh we haven't talked about jackson company. jones yet oh you're right my bad i'm jumping ahead jackson jones go that's just because he's been, been committed uh, for so long <laughs> right yeah so a guy that actually that organ flipped from
0: washington very early in the cycle um, shoot, like, I, I have his profile right in front of me, like, way back in, like, April of last year, I think. Uh, committed to Oregon on January 29th. So, yeah, like, almost exactly a year ago, a year and 30 or 11 months ago. Um, I, this is going to be an interesting one for me because I think he's going to play stand up a lot. Um, like he is, he is an edge rusher by trade. I think he's really good at rushing off the edge. I like his skill set as an edge rusher. He's got really good bend and quickness. Um, but I also think because of his size and his skill set that he's going to play off ball quite a bit. So I think there's been some players, um, not not at Oregon in the system, but if you go back to the Georgia days, like a, like a Tyndall at, at Georgia, a Trayvon, a uh, not a Trayvon Walker, a uh, there was another Walker whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, who played on the edge and also as a stand-up player. I, I think that that's kind of the role that this fills. Like a lot of what we saw Blake purchase doing this year, but I also think we could actually say him, see him uh, back up and play on the bubble at times as like a true inside linebacker. So I think I think versatility is the name here. He's not as long as, as everybody else in the room, um, but he has some pretty unique quickness uh, and explosiveness to bring to the table. So, uh, an impressive an impressive guy nonetheless yeah i think uh
2: you look at jackson jones and i think he is you know and and again this is it's a different scenario because he already he's already been in the program for four years but i think this is what you hoped you know to have in mace funa you know this is the guy that can it can stand up and move around a little bit but can creep up on the line of scrimmage when you need him to because he's not 210 pounds you know so i i think he'll he'll very much fill that kind of role at oregon uh, you know, and as we know with Lanning, he likes those, he likes to utilize some of those versatile guys at, in the front level and in the back level. You know, you've got guys that, that move around and do different things for, for situational football. Uh, and so I think, you know, he is not the same kind of player as Mace Funa, but could be, you know, used in a similar way at Oregon. Um, and I think actually, uh, you know, after a year or so could actually fill that role really well for the Ducks.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Like Again, I think like Blake Purchase would be the closest thing, but Purchase is a bigger guy too. Right. Um, I think Jones is probably like, a, like 6'2", 225 right now. Um, and and he'll, he'll get bigger and stronger, but I also think that they're going to use his athleticism to be a run-and-chase player off-ball as well. So I, I think he's a player that's just going to have a really versatile role in the defense that will float between the edge room and the linebacker room um, and give them tons of, of scheme versatility depending on who they're playing on a week-to-week basis.
1: All right. Apologies to Jackson Jones. Let's now move inside to a position group that again was pretty devoid of, I'd say talent, at least talent that fits Dan's system and what he's looking for at inside linebacker when, so it's a room that really needed a lot of work. Um, I think they've done a great job of plugging some of those holes with, with, you know, moving some players from different positions and then obviously bringing in Justin Jacobs this year, but it, it really needs a talent infusion from the prep ranks and, I think last year, Dan just didn't have enough time to 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 boost bolster that room. and I think the talent level on the west coast too was a wasn't as good at linebacker last cycle. But in this cycle, Oregon really I think landed three really high quality linebackers who could make you know could really be a difference in this room going forward. So let's start first with Braden Platt out of Yelm, Washington. Six-two-two forty, 240, a track star as well. He's a he's a thrower, javelin, discus guy, as well as, a, you know, he's more of a bigger uh, linebacker for Dan's system, but he does not lack for speed and athleticism at all. Justin, start Yeah, us
2: I think uh, if you have Dan landing in a chair and, and you, you know, talk to him about linebackers, one of the first things he's looking for, I think he's really looking for that true athleticism, those guys that do have the ability to, you know, turn and run and, and great hip movement and, and be able to cover – a lot of space. And I think, you know, again, I'll reference the Pac 12. You've needed those types of linebackers in the traditional Pac 12. And I think you still need them for foot, college football as offenses have evolved. So, you know, Braden Platt uh, looked like a guy that was going to be a West Coast guy kind of from the start, at least in terms of his recruitment goes. Uh, this is very much a guy Washington worked really hard on trying to, you know, get at the end there. But I don't think Braden Platt was having any of that, so you know, got to feel pretty good that you know some of your better schools out west were still trying late to flip him. I, I just think this is going to be a really, really good fit for Oregon and for Braden Platt, and I think uh, you know, I, I think we're looking at one more year of potentially of of Bassa and Jacobs, and then here in a couple of years, we'll be counting on Platt and the others that we're about to talk about to fill those fill those spots.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, the the linebacker I was trying to compare Jackson Jones to uh, in terms of utilization, not skill set, was Quay Walker, who plays for my Packers, um, but it was escaping me at the moment. Uh, with Platt, I, I think I think the name of the game for Oregon linebacker is length and speed. Um, and Platt is 244 pounds, but he also runs a sub-11 second 100 meter. Um, he's a borderline world-class thrower, uh, placed first nationally in the shot put and the javelin this year um just a really explosive kid um big 6'2 240 pounds, can run sideline to sideline will be able to play in this in this uh, spill and kill defense that that landing employs uh, but is also big enough to be able to take on blocks uh, disrupt blocks destroy blocks and, and get off and make tackles so um and this is this is going to be true for all three of these guys. They all have good length. They all can really run sideline to sideline, uh, but they also have good size. Whereas, like Oregon's been playing with some guys that are maybe converted safeties, like Jamal Hill and Jeffrey Vasa. All three of Matuti, um, uh, Platt, and Williams are leg- are linebacker size players with that safety athleticism to run sideline to sideline and chase. So that that's going to be an overall upgrade for Oregon over time as these guys work their way into the lineup.
1: All right, so let's actually move over to Dylan Williams then, and QB. I know, I know you love Dylan Williams out of Long Beach Poly in Long Beach, California. Go!
0: Yeah, this is my favorite linebacker in the class. Um, super long, rangy athlete. Actually, a pretty thick, big, big kid too. Like, that totally has an NFL linebacker frame. Not, not as heavy as Platt is right now, uh, but he's certainly longer than Platt is. Uh, can really run sideline to sideline. Shows great instinctiveness just a total gazelle running down plays, running uh, to the outside. And uh, he, he also has a physical edge to him. So I, I think, I think Dylan Williams is, is going to be a dude. I think that one of these three linebackers will find their way into the rotation as a true freshman. If I had to make a pick today. Dylan Williams would be my pick. Well, and,
2: and it, it seems like forever ago, but it's hard to remember Dylan Williams was at one point, you know, committed uh decommitted and then oregon (laughs) had him on campus the next week so you know uh, that's just kind of what dan lanning does he identifies the guys that he wants out west and and makes serious moves and i think dylan williams was one of them i think uh if we had uh dan lanning here on the pod right now and said hey who were you know your your first four Uh, Linebacker targets in this class, Dylan Williams was probably the number two guy, only behind Justin Williams. You know who, you know Oregon was in great shape for all the way down the end, but of course, you know ended up signing with Georgia, a terrific five-star linebacker. But uh, this is not a fallback. This is not chopped liver by any means. And I agree with with uh, with QB that right now, if we're if we're putting money on which one of these guys. Uh, you know, starts first, it's probably, you know, Dylan Williams because of what he will, just because he can do everything really well. And I think that's, um, I, I, he's a great fit for Dan Lanning and, and I think he's going to have a, a, a very productive career at Oregon.
0: Yeah, you bring up a, a good point that I had forgot to mention too, is that like, like Ryan Pelham and Dakota Fields, Dylan Williams, too, was a, a Dan Lanning USC layaway where we let them uh, <laughs> store him on their commitment list for uh, a period of time before eventually coming in and uh, bringing them home. But uh, yeah, just like. Again, I, like you mentioned, Oregon had four. It was very clear from basically January of last year who the top four linebacker targets were. Uh, unfortunately, Oregon didn't get Justin Williams, but Oregon got the other three. Um, and, and it's really hard to complain when you get three of your top four guys at a position, and the only guy you don't get is the number one player at the position in the country who commits to Georgia. So uh, elite recruiting at the linebacker position, elite skill sets across the board, uh, and guys that I think that this staff is really excited about going forward.
1: And and all three of these commits are top twenty five linebacker, uh, you know, ranked in the top twenty five linebackers in the entire country. So, through getting three out of the top twenty five is is pretty <laughs> incredible. So. Let's shift over and talk about the final one. Um, Kamar Matuti out of Los Alamitos in California, as well. And uh, Hop, why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, I mean, we've
2: sung the praises of Platt. We've sung the the praises of Williams. um, But, you know, Kamar Matuti, again, another guy that has some amazing traits, another guy that had you know, virtually every offer out West, at least that he wanted, you know, and I think he had some beyond. And again, you have to remember some of these guys, you know, Dylan Williams, Karmatuti, whatnot, I think had they taken their recruitments longer, you would have seen them pop up on the board for, you know, Oklahoma and Georgia and some of these schools a little bit more down the stretch, but they didn't. Uh, Love Matuti. And
1: Real, real quick. Breaking Matuti's, uh commitment letter is finally in. I know he had a signing day at his high school, and so it, it literally just came across the wire as we were recording. There, so that is the last unsigned commitment in the class. So they're well, all they're in now. Go ahead. We'll save Jericho Johnson. Oh, yeah, Jer- yeah,
2: yeah. Of course. Well, there you go. That's that's uh, that's how you do it, right? Um, <laughs> a lot less drama than we've been used to in the past. But yeah, as far as Matuti, I think get a little bit bigger. Got plenty of speed, uh, seems to do great in coverage. And again, you know, uh, like you said uh, in the intro of this position group, Doug, there was not a lot of great options last year at linebacker. I think that really hurt Oregon. You know, that was a position they needed last year. It was a position they absolutely couldn't miss on this year. And I think Dan Lanning knew that. So to get Matuti, to get Williams, to get Platt, easily the, the top 3 linebackers out west. Uh, you know again this isn't a, a quantity group but this is 100% a quality group and i think matudi has a chance to you know very much fit into that linebacker group in a in a year or two.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Platt, like, going back to Braden Platt, like, obviously, we stole Dylan Williams from USC. Braden Platt was an Oregon-Oklahoma battle. Uh, Kamar Matuti had all types of national options, and and frankly, like, I think if it wasn't for Oregon, he probably would have gone national. I don't think he would have stayed on the West Coast. So, um, big-time prospect with length, athleticism, speed. Uh, I think he's probably the most raw of these three, but that he also might have the highest upside because of yeah. that. So, um Really, like again, another really high-end talent that I think uh, elevates the room, and it's just like the competition and depth that you're you're creating. Um, there's like guys like Jerry Mixon, guys like Devin Jackson are going to have to have their heads on a swivel because there's some there's some like very physically ready to go guys with pretty elite traits coming up the
1: coming up behind them. All right, should we move over to the defensive backs? That's- let's do it. We're on a heater now. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, Again, five commitments overall in this room. I think we got three at corner, two at safety. Um, Safety, particularly, as we've talked about at length on this podcast, is a position of need, much like a linebacker has been. Um, But let's start uh, in the corner room with Dakota Fields. Again, another flip from USC. He was thought to be an Oregon lean, committed to USC over the summer, flipped back to the good guys in the fall. 6-2, long, tall corner like Oregon loves in their defense out of uh, Gardena, California, Juniper, Sarah. QB, tell us about Dakota Fields.
0: Well, if you'd remember, this is the infamous Big Ten commitment because he committed to USC because they had convinced him that we were going to be in the, going to the Mountain West uh, and be a homeless program like another team in the state of Oregon. And uh, the second that Oregon got announced to the Big Ten, it was like a day later, it might have been hours later that Dakota fields flipped his commitment to University of Oregon so uh, this from what I understand and Justin can correct me if I'm wrong was Oregon's number one quarterback on the board for this class um, really crazy skill set like six two long 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 but does you're not you're not compromising quickness or flexibility and fluidity for his length uh, which is is ultimately really what you're looking for when you're recruiting at the cornerback position. Like everyone wants to be long, but not everybody can, there's not enough long guys that can really truly cover and play man to man coverage. Like Oregon wants to change and change directions with smaller athletes. Uh, But Dakota Fields is one of those guys and he's just got insane um, body control and and athleticism. So uh, I'm really excited about this. I think this is Oregon's best corner class of all time. uh, And I'm excited to talk about the other two guys as well
2: yeah another uh you know like you said another uh anything to add on the field yep am i there am i muted (laughs) nope i'm not muted here i am no uh again as as, uh qb has said another another recruit that usc had on layaway uh for a small bit but um yeah just all around a really good looking corner for the ducks of course this was a usc oregon battle pretty much the whole way you know did pick usc and and qb's right the big they they really pushed the fact that they were in the big and oregon was not and that was kind of the tipping cap there and like you said as soon as oregon got in that really flipped the script so of course you've got to credit oregon uh for not just sticking their head in the sand and giving up because dakota fields you know committed to usc uh they kept with him continued to build that relationship and then when they You know, when they had their opportunity, they struck. And uh, this is a guy I think that we – I think this is a guy that we probably see on the field in some capacity next year.
1: We should be saying something in that room.
0: Yeah, and like, to be honest with you, I think I could say that about every single one of these defensive backs that we signed this year. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if any of them played. It wouldn't surprise me if any of them redshirted. But it's just – this is a sick group.
1: Yeah, uh, let's stick with the corners. Uh, So uh, the only Juco in the class, Sione Laulia out of College of San Mateo in California. It's number two Juco in the country. This is a guy you could come in and start potentially right away. Another long guy, 6'4", 185. Uh, Hobb, tell us a little bit about about him, and then the QB, you can do your job. Yeah, you know, um, we have seen that Oregon does like to
2: have that length at corner. You know, obviously, Triquez Bridges was in and out. Of course, he's transferred to Florida. Kyrie Jackson, you know, came in uh, from Alabama as a longer corner. Year before that, it was Christian Gonzalez. While Sione isn't a transfer, you know, you saw Oregon battle against USC. You saw Oregon battle against Penn State. Uh, he had some really big offers. He he was a tough one to nail down. He, You know, he, he looked pretty heavily at Oregon, thought Oregon was in a, a great spot there, and then kind of, you know, postponed his commitment and postponed it a little bit and and things got pretty tense but you know give oregon credit there this is this is probably the guy and i guess we'll have to see when he gets here and what the staff thinks but this is more than likely the guy that shows up and makes it so that oregon doesn't necessarily have to take a corner out of the transfer portal you know between him and dakota if one of them can elevate and acclimate uh, right away, I think I think they have a great chance at seeing the field, or they both have a great chance at seeing the field in some capacity next year.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think that I agree with Justin. I don't think that Oregon needs a transfer corner in this class. And when you factor for what they got last year with with Dale and Austin and Roger Pleasant, and then what they're what they're looking to get in this class, or what they just signed uh, with with Obidegwu Fields and LaLea. Um, I, I don't think that there's a need. I think you play the guys that you've recruited, and like Lalea has just like Lalea is one of the very few men at, at six foot four who can actually play the corner position or six three or however long he is. Um, again, you're not compromising speed or quickness or 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 flexible athleticism with him. Um, which is again, that's typically the case. Like you get its tall corner, and all right, like we're gonna play a lot of zone. They're gonna cover space, and they're gonna use their length to make up for the fact that they aren't elite athletes. Whereas with this guy in particular, like he is an elite athlete, um, and he can and he can play. I, I think he can play early. I think he will play early. There's a reason that two four seven has seven hasn't rated as the number two overall JUCO prospect in the country. So. Uh, this is a big time player. This is a guy that I'm really excited to see at, at Oregon. Um, and I think he's got probably the rarest one of the rarest skill sets of anybody in the class just because he can he can get out and run and cover in space like a much smaller athlete.
1: Yeah, if there's a theme with corners as we move to the third one in this class, <laughs> six foot one. Uh, so six foot one, six foot two, and six foot four are the three corners in this class for Oregon. Length, length, length. Ify Obadejo, early commit out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. Committed early, um, stuck with Oregon throughout. I know Oregon is super high on this guy, QB. I know when we talked about him when he first committed, you loved Ify Obadejo. So tell us why you loved him and uh, and what you love, what you see about him going into Oregon.
0: Oh, I still do. I I think that like. We we were just raving about Dakota Fields, and I I don't think that there's any difference in quality of prospect between Fields and Obedegwu. Um, I think I think if he again you're talking about a six one guy, not quite as long as the other two guys, but exceptional length through is he's got long arms, really twitched up guy, uh, strong, well put together, can stay, can like play with physical receivers at the line of scrimmage, but then can turn and run, um, and has the flexibility and quickness to change directions with even smaller guys. So. Like I, I think that these are two elite prospects from a from a talent standpoint and a physical attribute standpoint. I can't wait to see him play.
2: Yeah, one of the uh, one of the early commitments of the class,
0: you know, of course,
2: uh, Maryland, Penn State, a lot of those traditional Big Ten powerhouses back there uh, were after Efi. He was a big part of later getting Michael Van Buren committed, who obviously you know did sign with Mississippi State instead. But I feel like. Uh, Oregon m- might have lost there and getting Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore probably upgraded a little bit. And so everything worked out. Yeah, EFE is going to come in. That's I know, just be nice. E is going to come in and obviously compete with those guys. I think you have a really good looking, you know, kind of all around cornerback here. Um, I don't know, she kind of remind, reminds me of uh, Diamador Lenore a little bit, a little bit different body type, but still um, just, yeah, a great, great win on the recruiting trail. And uh, I think ultimately, if you'd asked those schools, if they'd like to add him to their class, uh, they would have, but he, he didn't take any other trips. He pretty much shut everything down. So um, got to really appreciate that about EFI uh, and, and
0: staying with Oregon for the long haul. Yeah, I'm yeah, an but- All-American um, for Obadegwu. Uh, Dakota Fields is an Army All-American. So, again, in a Polynesian Bowl All-American. So more guys that are going to be playing in all kinds of all-star games here uh, before they enroll. But, uh, again, a bunch of mid-year enrollees. Uh, some some other visits that he took, uh, Alabama, Notre
1: Dame, and Tennessee prior to his Oregon commitment. So. Yeah, I'd... Uh, huge uh let's move in we got two more commits in this class to talk about at the safety position and uh, this is my guy my bet for the guy that might be a day one starter for oregon aaron flowers out of forney texas safety six foot 190 uh how point you start us on this yeah uh,
2: you know depending on what oregon does in the transfer portal this is a guy that has all of the makings to be you know, an immediate, you know, I like to call him contributor, but this is a guy that looks like he could he could really compete for starting time. Um, you know, I, I think Oregon has done a really good job getting into the state of Texas. I think there are a lot of schools that would absolutely love to have this kid on their commit list, but Aaron Flowers was locked up, committed to Oregon early on, never wavered, d- didn't take visits, didn't do any of that. He was locked in. So, you know, I think folks lose track of that a lot of times when these guys you know just kind of lock everything down and don't take other trips it's like oh well we did okay it's like no you did well this is a really really good player that a lot of teams would love to have I'm sure Lincoln Riley Kalen DeBoer everybody out west would love to have this kid on their commit list I I know I know QB 11 will break him down but this is a really really good get for Oregon
0: yeah I'll I'll stick my deck out there this this is my like most ready to play guy in the class. Um, and I think he's the best safety that we've signed since Javon Holland. Uh, just like the full skill set, like the, the instincts that he shows, like he's, he's got range. He can play coverage. He can play man even lines up a corner for his team. Sometimes to cover the best player has really good ball instincts. Like he's one of those safeties. That's just always around the ball. Had a lot of interceptions this year, a lot of pass breakups. Um, but then when like the ball is thrown underneath or when he has to come in and insert himself in the run game, just a dog, just super physical, just a, like a physical striker arrives with bad intentions. Um, A guy, a guy that I like, I love this guy. Like I, he's risen up the rankings. I mean, like when he committed to Oregon, he was like a 0.92 and now he's a point nine six five almost. So um, a guy that's just like, Completely skyrocketed this year after an incredible senior year. I know some of the 247 guys have said he's the best safety they've scouted in person this year. So, um, like ball skills, range, all of the things that we need, all the things that we've been lacking at safety uh, to, pl- to play uh, single high or two high safety coverages and get over the top and play zone, to come down and play man against the tight end or, or to insert into the run game and be like a, a, an enforcer as, a, as an alley defender. So, uh, Aaron Flowers to me is like, one of my favorite commitments, if not my favorite commitment, and a guy that I think will make an immediate impact for Oregon next year.
1: All right, and then let's go to the final member of this uh, (coughs) 25-person class, and that would be safety. Uh, He's listed as a linebacker by some. I think Oregon recruited him as a safety. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but Kingston Lopa, uh, safety, Kingston Lopa QB, start us off.
0: Yeah. Lopa's long. Um, I know like some places have tried to project him as a linebacker. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a safety, uh, he's six, four 190 pounds, not senior film on him, but it's in his junior film. Like talk about a guy that will run down and strike you like really physical player, super long. Um, people will immediately make the comparison to Brian Addison. Not really all that similar cause he's a much, he's much thicker. Um, and I think he's he's not nearly as limited from a frame growth standpoint as as Addison was, uh, but of just a physical striker enforcer um, that I think has better length than we probably know uh, just because we don't have senior film of him, but because of how long he is, um, and he looks pretty fast when he gets unraveled. So this is a player that I don't know a ton about. Um, there's very little film on him. But the film that is available gets me really excited, uh, just because there's not a lot of six-four guys at the safety position, um, and usually when you get long guys like that, they're super angular and they can't fill in the run game, and he seems to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, uh, again, kind of a, a just a, another commit that Oregon fans kind of quickly forget because he committed, you know, in, in the spring and <laughs> just didn't take any other trips, and he isn't very active on social media and he just kind of does his thing but um I, I think it's a tremendous compliment you know to aaron flowers I, you know two different styles of safety and both do different things really well so i, I love the pairing of the two uh, and i agree with you you'll know, get compared to addison maybe because of the length but he's obviously a lot more willing to hit and get in there and do the dirty work um that i don't know that addison is so USC wanted him. He, he recorded an offer from Texas early in the process. You know, Washington, Utah, you name it. Uh, this is a pretty highly coveted guy. Uh, you know, Oregon was able to do a really good job kind of coming in the mix. You know, we've seen Oregon sign guys out of Grant before uh, in Sacramento, California. I, for one, have always kind of liked the NorCal guys. I, I think they tend to play with the chip on their shoulder a little bit. So um, pretty excited about this one. And, uh, and again, I think, you know, how much he plays next year, I'm not quite sure. It'll obviously be, you know, how quickly he can get up to speed. But I think in two years, we're looking at a guy that's more than likely, um, you know, battling for a starting spot, if not starting.
0: Yeah, Lopez is a headhunter. Like, he's looking for violent contact. Like, he is – it's not that he's not – it's not that he's not afraid. It's that he is actively looking to, in, like, to be the initiator of contact. Um, he's a total dog, and uh, he's also he was a high-end receiver prospect. Some schools I know were recruiting him at receiver, which tells you a lot about his ball skills. Whereas, like I know, watching some of the Oregon players this year, uh, specifically in the secondary, when the ball was in the air, it was like they suddenly uh, had developed some type of like I don't even know what disorder, but something that made them become like paralyzed and unable to move. So, um, somebody, some somebody with good ball skills and length. Uh, with a receiver background who's also an enforcer i think there's a lot to like in the skill set here
1: all right so on the whole i mean oregon has commitments from 11 different states representing every time zone in the mainland of course uh 25 commits overall in this class it's the fifth ranked class in the country i mean by my money i think by all i think you all of you agree with this top to bottom this is the best signing class oregon's or best class oregon's ever signed that go agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's currently ranked fifth. Uh, if Oregon adds Jericho, as we suspect tomorrow, they'll still be ranked fifth, but they'll be like a hair behind Ohio State. Um, so, and, and if you add if you add uh, Gatlin Bear in February, you're looking at a potential top three finish for the Ducks. So, just a completely insane class from top to bottom. Um, I think the most complete class Oregon's ever signed and it's not even just the rankings of these kids because it's easy to get caught up in the rankings, but like, when I look through these kids' film and their skill sets and the way that their profiles fit, what Oregon says that they desire, it's the best fit, too. I mean, like, there was classes that, that Oregon had under crystal Ball that were ranked pretty high, I think, of the 2021 class, but there was a lot of guys in that class that we kind of knew were fluff, like, to to look good on paper that weren't actually fits, um, and there's not a single player in this class um, that say maybe one that is not a fit and they certainly didn't take him because of his because of his ranking so yeah i think that's the key i know we
2: can look at the numbers and, and see where the class is ranked and we can look at the numbers and see the rankings of the commits as individuals but <clears throat> it certainly just feels like you know this class is a is a strong unit and not you know okay these couple guys are pretty good but these other guys are you know we're ranked four stars but really Nobody else was recruiting them. You know, I, I think that you could darn near take just, just about, you know, probably 20 of these guys and offer them to a lot of top 15 programs, and they'd take them, you know. So it's, it's depth, it's skill, uh, it's quality, and there is quantity too. And I know we've said it from the onset, but this defensive class, the hall of the defense, the defensive line, linebackers and defensive backs, is sick i mean it's just an unbelievable collection of talent especially when you look at some of them the defensive line group in particular and combine it with what oregon signed last year it's filthy like it's just filthy and it, it it's nothing we've ever seen at this program before had some great players to buckner eric arms it has some great players that have come through but not like this this is uh this is something else for sure
1: this is the foundation of a team that could compete for a national title, like even in the 12 team playoff era, right? Like, you know, you can't just put a, put a quarterback in there and, and hope to win or or maybe get lucky and catch somebody on an off day. Like you got to win three or four games against high level teams, which means you need a roster that is deep and talented at every position across the board. And, this is, again, I'm not guaranteeing anything. You still got to go out and do it. The guy's still got to develop. The coach still got to coach. You still got to put it all together. But this is the type of roster that can, can compete for a national title. Well, you keep stacking these classes, and that's where Oregon wants to get to. That's where Oregon can get to. Dan believes it. Everyone believes it. And and look, I can't wait to continue to watch the development of this program. Nine and three year one, 11 and one year two. Like, where are we going next? Playoffs, baby. Yeah. And then yeah. beyond. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I could not agree more. I think that this is the like, – talk about the fundamentals of the class. Like This isn't a team that's going to be reliant on having a, a generational quarterback to cover up for a bunch of stuff. They're going to still try to get a generational quarterback. It's not like they're just going to mail it in. And clearly, like look at what Oregon's done in record, quarterback recruiting over the last two weeks. They uh, they have very serious intentions of being very good at the position. Um, and what they have coming in in the future with Achilles Smith Jr. next year's class and MOGA, and, and they've got more now and, and, and Gabriel for next year. Uh, but this is also gonna be a team that the other twenty one guys are gonna be able to line up with anybody in the in the country. Um and that's what's like so incredibly uh apparent here with this class, especially in combination with last class, because I think that you have to look at these in two or three year cycles. Um the fundamentals of this team, the the overall talent. I mean, six top one hundred players in this class, more all Americans than can be counted between the three different games. Um just just a unbelievably strong class from top to bottom and and like you said like all everybody but it's funny everybody but the two guys from oregon and the guy from southwest washington are mid-year enrollees so you have early enrollees across the board as well yeah no and another
1: hop any final no, thoughts uh, no
2: uh, yeah. no you i mean just yeah I, I i think that you know one of the things i love most is is just seeing the um roster management right you're looking at roster management of this class. Okay, where's Oregon, you know, weak? Where do they need bodies? Well clearly they needed help in the secondary. You know, clearly they needed um, dudes to come in at linebacker, not just bodies. And they've done that. So I think when you look at, you know, yeah, the the, the class is great and the and the top five ranking of the class and all that and the four stars is great but again it's not like well why did they bring in eight wide receivers we don't need eight wide receivers they didn't do that they brought in the number of wide receivers they needed the number of linebackers they needed they weren't just trying to fluff up a ranking they got a high ranking filling the spots they needed to fill so i i think that that's what continues to impress me most and um yeah i mean whether oregon wins the the championship this year next year the year after at the very least at the very least we can feel like they're putting together a team that can compete for that. And that's all you can ask for at the end of the day.
1: Agreed. All right. Hour and 44 minutes in, this has been, I know this has been one of my favorite episodes. This is always one of my favorite episodes to do every year. I know it's one of our most listened to episodes of the year, every single year. J-Hop, I appreciate you, J-Hop, I appreciate you coming in, coming in from scoopduck.com everyone obviously if you're not over there go check that out subscribe all the intel on recruiting all year long that's the place to be it's the only place to be for oregon inside intel on recruiting uh qb i hope you continue to feel better appreciate you making time today i know everyone loves all of your evals on this day to get all of them in one show is just phenomenal we covered 26 guys it's incredible so thank you both Follow him at KB11 SD on Twitter. You can follow at Justin Hopkins on Twitter and at Douglas T S on Twitter. And the show, I believe, we may have hit the thousand mark. I gotta do a quick check. Are we at a thousand? Live broadcasting here. We are at how many how many are we at? We are at nine hundred and ninety-eight. <laughs> <laughs> two more followers to get QB11 Show to a thousand followers on Twitter at QB11 Show. We're on not recording another episode until we hit a thousand. So you guys know what to That's do. That's right. That's it. Get us to a thousand, or you get no more, no more content. So, all right. Thanks everyone. We will be back soon. We'll have the part two of the Hithel Day episode dropping after Christmas. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you before New Year's. Thanks everyone.